With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the darker side of the after show. I am joined by our co-host, Lukey from ITR Boxing. Lukey, great to have you back on for another week, for another show, another story to talk about. And it's always great to be able to get somebody on who comes at it from a completely different angle. So me and Johnston, we record the episodes, we do the research, we do the editing, we produce it out there. And you come in essentially as a fan, by listening to the show and, and sort of critiquing the story itself and then being able to find elements of it to resonate with. So this story was about the life and an extraordinary life of, of Eamon McGee. And we tried to set a lot of context to this episode by explaining what was going on in Northern Ireland during that time of the Troubles and, and how difficult it was for Eamon McGee and how easy it was for him to be sucked into that life that was going on in 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 there in in Northern Ireland at that time, but as someone who comes from the USA and and obviously different states of the USA have their own troubles and their own issues going on, I'm just wondering what your initial reactions were to Eamon McGee's story. First of all, obviously his early beginnings in Northern Ireland. Well, first I want to say, woo, dark side of the ring. That was my that was my thing, and I like to think of myself as the resonant hater or unprepared guy that comes on the show. Well, you guys are well-researched. First Thoughts is totally unprepared. Um, I saw a movie as a child about the um, the troubles with Brad Pitt. So whenever I think of this, I think of seven-year-old me watching that movie that I didn't understand the political landscape of Ireland and Northern Ireland. But um, pretty much like every topic we deal with on this show, it's an incredibly sad story filled with like kind of circumstances and then whether the person makes bad decisions or is pulled into bad decisions seems to mudslide down into utter chaos. So this story, pretty on brand. 
well, it wouldn't be the dark side of boxing without these type of stories, would it? It's uh, it's gotta it's gotta be it's gotta be that way. It's gotta be stories of 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 what's happened in an individual's life to be able to lead to the stories that we're telling. And without these moments and without these the good, the bad, and the ugly side of things, we wouldn't be able to tell a story about uh, an individual. And I think Damon McGee's story was one that I wasn't overly familiar with even though I come from the UK I come from England obviously Ireland is just a little quick trip over the sea for us and for for, for me it was an education about the difference between Ireland and Northern Ireland and the reason why the Northern Irish people had a lot of hatred towards English people not all English people but I can understand now knowing the story and knowing the difficulties they went through and knowing how poor of a government that we have always had here in the England itself, as as I can I can sort of relate to that more so than ever now because of the struggles that and the poor choices that have been made by the UK government in the past few years during the the COVID nineteen pandemic and I think you know although it wasn't as difficult now as it is then as or as it was then I think what resonates with me is is the struggles that people were feeling the frustration that people and how easily it was for a young gamer mcgee to be able to rebel against that and join uh, an infamous and notorious group of individuals that wanted to to change things and initially the interpretation i took from this story was that the irish republican army were there to try and change things for the better and you know the the, the ira that he joined wasn't the IRA that it would go on to become during the early to late 90s when bombs were being planted in certain areas of the UK and they were being let off and people were being injured and you know these whole terror attacks and the fear of of going out to city centres I mean I personally remember the 1996 Manchester bomb and I remember it because I was in my grandparents garden at the time it went off and I just remember this huge bang and at the time I was about 10 years old and I didn't remember sort of I didn't relate to what that actually was and then as time's gone on and I've looked back on that in hindsight it's like wow this was a this was a huge thing you know that we were kind of protected from as kids back in that era but you can kind of understand why a young gamer McGee was kind of sucked into that life can't you because of of the difficulties and you know I must imagine that it must be similar in certain states of the US like where there's there's these sort of troubles going on where you know there's this sort of effectively like a civil war I mean obviously we know the American civil war of course the most famous one but I mean in general like you get these sort of inner state sort of civil wars going on between people and, and the interpretation I get is a lot of it in particular in the US is is a lot of racial elements involved with it so I think it's just something that's always happened and always continue to happen. And you can kind of understand why people get sucked into this life. My equivalent, and this is going to be so boring for you, is there's a guy named Ethan Allen. And in America, that's a furniture store to most people. But he was the leader of the Green Mountain Boys during the American Revolution. Do you like that? I know that off the top of my head, deep nerd thing. But a lot of times when we look at these, like the Green Mountain Boys, if the Americans didn't win that war, would be looked at as a domestic terror group. And oftentimes these coalitions that fight for the freedoms or their rights, history is told by the victor. And I couldn't help but think of how over time or even to this time that we're going, how much has this story changed and evolved on the intentions of Eamon going into this? Nothing's really changed. I think technology's changed, society's changed, culture's changed. 
religion in some ways has changed, but I think the premise of, of, of how these things come about has, has never changed. There's always a notable and significant moment, uh, a pivotal moment in these things that, that lead young people to want to fight for a certain cause. And I think that was what I got from Eamon McGee's story, was that you kind of you kind of feel like you needed to be a part of this uprising to be able to protect yourself and your family at the time. And obviously, as I said, we didn't know what it was going to go on to become as in itself, as in that group itself. And he wouldn't have known that at the time. But, you know, you get sucked into something where you feel like it's a way of trying to stand up for yourself. And, and I think for me, what I took away from that early part of his life was that it was it was incredibly difficult to try and live like that without being involved in some capacity, whether you're a, a bystander, whether you're a, a willing participant or, or whether you are just someone who's just fearing for their life and, and you're in a fight or flight mode and the only way to defend yourself is to attack and and that's what i got from his from his early beginnings but then someone will look at this story and go but look at his brothers look you know his brothers didn't go down that route his brothers went down a completely different route and he was like what they call the runt of the litter in the sense that he was just completely different the black sheep of the family whatever cliche you saying you want to use for it he was like people were looking at sort of him like that or people might say that that's what he was is because you know, he was the one that just deviated away from what his his elders were doing in his family, and it also must have been hard for him having having a dad who was, you know, in and out all the time and being pulled out by by the the, the British army and being stuck in a prison and being left there and having the houses raided, you know, or just just randomly raiding them and just basically making them all stand there in the living room like they did, and it was just strange. It was a strange time, and I I feel. And I empathise with what he went through and what his family must have gone through because I couldn't I couldn't have coped with that. Like genuinely I couldn't have dealt with that sort of stuff. I don't even think I'd even now as a as a as a more hardened adult, I don't think I could sort of deal with that level of in invasive invasion of privacy. And I think for him to get through that to a degree and, and start a boxing career and become quite a talented amateur fighter I think was was a testament to his will and determination to kind of try and make something of his life at that stage. So as we move through the course of the story, Luke, you start to realise that, you know, this kid's got some talent. He, you know, he can actually go quite far on. But there's always that smell of danger that would always attract to certain individuals, certain personality types. And Eamon McGee was no different. He was another one like the Tapias and the Camachos of the world who, no matter how good they were as a fighter, they always had this part of their personality that were attracted to the the thrill. And that seek of that thrill was always on the agenda for people like Camacho, Tapia and Eamon McGee. An overarching theme of all these stories and Eamon McGee really gives me is if we went to high school or middle school with him, he's the kid that's always in the office like two days out of the week. And it like that kind of summarizes his life decisions. It's like he was always drawn to just doing that little thing that would get him in trouble. And then when school's not in the equation, it's like he makes that life decision that's going to get him in trouble, whatever. But it, that, that seems like an overarching theme with all these stories is like that type of decision. I think politics was a, a big overarching theme for this story as well, though, because of 
the the politics going on around Ireland, Northern Ireland, England, and I think one of the things that I took away from it was his boxing career. I felt like was his amateur boxing career was certainly affected by. It. He had the opportunity to go to the 1992 Olympic Games in Barcelona, and you know he'd already beaten the guy that he was told he had to fight in the box off to get there. And effectively, even though he beats the guy, he still doesn't get selected for the team. There's there's, there's sort of politicians involved in in decision making that affected him from having his opportunity because when you hear the stories you read through everything that's out there you read the book that was done on Eamon McGee you certainly get the interpretation that he was a very talented amateur fighter that could could have made some sort of impact on the 1992 games and I think that would have certainly been a pivotal moment for him in his life should he have gone to them games because who knows what he would have done and would that have been the thing that pulled him away from all that danger? I mean, we're never going to know that now. That is a shoulda, woulda, coulda, if, buts and maybes moment. But what I'm saying is it makes me wonder, it, as we always do with like the Camachos, the Tapias, anybody that we've covered before, it, it just gives me that overarching feeling of, you know, this this could have been so much different at that point. That could have been the pivotal moment, but it was taken away from him. So instead, he, he did things the, the, the more difficult way and he goes and turns professional and... On turning professional, he starts to show that actually he's talented and that, you know, there's people out there that wanted to, to see him fight. Frank Warren, of course, well-known UK promoter, wanted him on his shows. And as time went on, his boxing career started to take more of an upwards trajectory. But yet there's still stories of him fighting with cab drivers in Spain and catching crabs from sleeping with different women. And just, just the stories that surrounded him outside of the ring were just with hilarity at times. But... I still can't help but feel like he was another character within the sport of boxing and is the character within the sport of boxing. I'm talking like he's not here anymore. He still is. He's still very much alive and kicking. But I still feel like he's a, he's a character within this sport that has, has kind of had these sort of pivotal moments and yet he's 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 been presented with two paths. One path will take you straight to the top of your game and potentially lead you on to be one of the best in the world. And the other path will say, well, actually, you you know, you'll be a relatively good boxer. You might win some accolades, but, you know, you're going to have all these other issues outside of the ring that's going to prevent you from being that guy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a fascinating story because it's it's a situation I don't think many fighters ever faced. Many fighters face the politics of boxing working against them in the sport. He faced the politics of a of a versatile climate of a nation basically at war divided while the politics of boxing worked against him. And basically, from what I gathered, was a bit chaotic. Like I, I found the story about getting crabs and locking his teammates out of the room. Kind of crazy. Like kind of shows what's going on. But it felt like the overarching thing I saw was there was no real direction. When he turned pro, it's like, I'm just going to take fights. And you see that in his record, kind of lost to guys you wouldn't expect early on. And I think that was something that came with the difficulties he had outside of the ring. Like when I do the promotional video for it and I talk about him succumbing to drinks, drugs and violence, that's exactly what really happened in his boxing career. And, and you know, them moments outside of the ring where... We talked about them particular stories and, and the stories of him getting involved with difficulties back in his home country and, you know, him being shot in, in the calf, in the leg by the IRA because he's causing so much havoc in his own country, then being told, 
don't come back to your own country. So then he comes to the to England and he stays in England for a while. Then he causes trouble here. Then he goes back home and tries to keep quiet and then starts doing things again. And there was there was stories about obviously him hustling the arcade machines and him hustling drugs out of people by pretending he was an undercover officer. And you know, like me and Johnson sit there and we we go through them stories and. On the outset, they're quite funny, like, but in reality, they're quite sad because, you know, this was what he felt he had to do to make a living, to get by, to get through things at that point of his life. But you can just imagine the outrageousness of it. Like, when you go through the story, you think, oh, that can't be, that can't be true. Surely that's just a, that's a load of cobblers, you know, that, that that's just, just hearsay, that's just Chinese whispers, whatever you want to call it. But the reality of the situation was... Amy McGee actually lived that life. Like, there's no lies behind it because he said he lived that life. Why does he need to say he lived that life? Why put yourself out there to be that type of a character and, and, and seemingly interpreted as a... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Bad guy. You know, if you're not a bad guy, why would you say you're a bad guy if you didn't do these things? I think with him, what I get from him at this stage of his life is that he's been so open and honest about all these times that he's gone through that it's like some sort of therapy for him to do it. Like he's done the book and then he's done little documentaries here and there with with various different filmmakers where you know he's mentioned all these moments again and 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 when we've presented them in this episode it's it's like he needs to tell people this is what he's done to kind of pacify himself at this stage of his life to say look this is what I've done but this is who I am now and that's the feeling I get from where he's at in his life now is like I've got to repeat this sort of stuff because I've got to remind myself of what I once was to what I am now. I relate to that because me and my girlfriend were having a heavy talk about some of my failures as a person early in my life and it's like you have to repeat it but it sucks an overarching I keep saying overarching so let me use a different word uh something that keeps coming up with McGee is there's a level of innocence to the crimes he did where it's like I had a friend once who had an alcohol issue his apex mountain where there needed to be an intervention was he went to a house party where none of his friends went to he pooped his pants and tried to chase a street cleaner 
with no clothes on. So he had poop pants and he's chasing a street cleaner with nothing on chasing the street cleaner. That's when people go, hey, bro, you have a problem. I never really heard the story that couldn't not be chuckled at from McGee. And I feel like that's how it kind of persisted as well, along with the climate that was going on. And what about his boxing career? I mean, we've touched on it a little bit. You know, we've not really gone into it too much. I think maybe now is the right time to sort of discuss that element of, of the show and his story. Obviously, his boxing career, you know, led him to some real great moments within it. I mean, 2002 was a significant one with his fight with Ricky Hatton. He gave Ricky Hatton the toughest fight of his career. And that's something Ricky Hatton says in his book about that particular fight. He puts Ricky Hatton down on the seat of his pants for the first time in his career in that fight. Ricky Hatton goes on to take over and, and beat McGee on points, but it certainly proved one, one hell of a tough guy in, in that fight. It proved a lot for Hatton as well at that time. It proved to a lot of people that Hatton was a tough fighter, you know, going in there against a guy like McGee who was a proven hard guy to, to fight against and beat. But one of the significant moments of his career was becoming the uh, WBU champion, which at that period of time, the WBU was, was kind of sort of seen as mainly for UK fighters more than anything. It was, IBO. It was, yeah, IBO. Yeah, I think we did say that in the episode. It was kind of like the, the, the IBO as it is today. And a lot of UK fighters won that title and it was a Frank Warren title. It was something that Frank Warren always had a heavily involvement with. Very much like he does with the WBO today. You know, Frank Warren and the WBO go hand in hand. He always gets his fighters opportunities at those titles before any titles. And it was the same then and he was able to get people like Ricky Hatton the WBU title. Eamon McGee won a version of the WBU title throughout his career. So technically he is a world champion. Technically he became a world champion in his career. But the the debate me and Johnston were having in the episode was like, at one point, I think I not so much disregarded McGee, but because we're in this modern belt era where we've got the four big sanctioning bodies and we, we kind of consider them to be the big four belts. Like you look at that in hindsight now and you think, well, it wasn't, it was a, it was a lightly regarded title. But then when you think of Eamon McGee's career and you think of the ups and the downs, the, the highs and the lows that he had outside of the ring, you think, actually, that was quite a significant achievement. He could have done more, absolutely. I agree he could have done more. But I think for, for what he was doing, for what he was involved in outside of the ring, I think becoming a world champion of some sorts is still an amazing achievement. But I always have this lingering feeling about him where I, I always think he could have done more. He could have won a one of the big four world titles. But that being said he's still technically a world champion in his boxing career. I mean, I feel like this is one of the happier stories we've covered because at least there's a silver lining. Like most of these stories are about guys that failed to reach their potential. Yes, he failed to reach probably a potential, but at least he left the sport with something that he can say, at least I accomplished this in the midst of chaos. Whereas like with Camacho, we kind of were left wondering like what could have been with Tapia, what could have been Maybe it would have been a little bit higher. Maybe he would have been a world champion. But I mean, all things considered, he had one of the legendary early fights with Ricky Hatton that kind of created the legend of Ricky Hatton. He is a when you look at Ricky Hatton and what Ricky Hatton became, he's a vital pillar to Ricky Hatton's story. And not many fighters get that. No, they don't. They don't. And I think it's it's 
it goes hand in hand with what else he achieved in his career. Obviously, he won Commonwealth titles in his career and, and, and he obviously fought in some good fights against some great fighters throughout his career. And, you know, he certainly did and give fans some, some great moments and, and certainly paved the way for a not a lot of Northern Irish fighters that, that sort of came after him. And you think of the, the likes of a Carl Frampton who, who went on to be relatively successful in his career, it's the likes of Eamon McGee that inspire the likes of Carl Frampton and the Ryan Burnett's of the world who went on to become a world champion as well. So you can't sort of discount the actual impact he had on young lads and young girls that were going into gyms trying to achieve something and trying to be something. And it's people like him that, that kind of set that precedent of, of, you know, you can do this, you can actually go out there and do these things. And regardless of him having a difficult life outside of the ring, he certainly proved that inside of it, he was a really tough opponent and he was an opponent that not a lot of people really wanted to share the ring with because he was really difficult to face. So I, I took a lot from it. I took a lot from his life. I took a lot from his career. It is one of the happier stories. I did enjoy really covering it and it gave me a huge education on, on Eamon McGee and, and really how undervalued and underappreciated he is. And I think one of the more harrowing moments of the story was obviously the loss of his son, Eamon McGee Jr. And that was, I think, a, a must have been a difficult moment for him. And I can't even begin to put into words how hard that must have been for him. You know, his son was a promising boxer. His son was someone that was looking to be on the upward trajectory in the sport of boxing. And he was sadly taken away from us too soon. And I think that was a really hard moment for Eamon in his life. And I can't even begin to imagine how he has to live with that now. And, you know, me and Johnston said at the end of the episode, we know Eamon's active on social media. We know he's about. And if he listens to any of this content, we said, tell him to get in touch with us because we'd love to have him on the show. We'd love to talk to him. We'd love to sort of see where his life's at now. And, you know, even if it wasn't where we we would essentially want to see him, which is in a, a great state of health and state of mind, you know, it'd be great to sort of try and sort of look at, what we've done and what story we've put together and I suppose remind him in some way of, of the impact he's actually had and I, I don't think I think he does realise it but I don't think he truly realises the impact he has had on other people and how he has inspired other people. The good, the bad and the ugly side of things that he's done has certainly inspired people in many ways to, to move forward with their, their lives and their careers and, and I think that's the sort of heartwarming stuff that I took from it was that Although he did all these things and he had these moments and could have done this, he could have done different things to make his life outside of the ring better. Ultimately, he's still an inspiration. And it seems weird, doesn't it, saying the word inspiration because he did a lot of not-so-good things outside of the ring, but yet I still consider him to be an inspiration to, to, to Irish youngsters coming through the game of boxing. I And just from a content creation standpoint, I wish that there's like a video of him and Carl uh, Frampton sitting down talking about their great fights. Like, I just wish we could praise our legends a little bit better because this is a guy that, as you said, meant so much to a lot of fighters was the spark that kind of was the spark to the fuse. And I feel like this is totally the guy that we're going to get a ring magazine article about the minute he passes away, but it's not going to be done during his life. I think one of the more famous writers in the UK and, and, and maybe well-known in the USA as well, Donald McRae, who, who's done a lot on Irish boxing history, uh, did an interview with Eamon McGee 
not so long ago, and it was done for the UK publication, The Guardian, and it was a, a, a really another sort of rehashing of, of what has already been done in his book. To be fair, and you know, it was it was kind of good to see that people still want to speak to him and people still want to sort of get word from him. And I think with us, when we put this episode together, Lukey, it was all about you know looking at the stories of people like Eamon McGee that we felt deserve to be told because this is a different story to what we've done previously in the sense that whilst it has some parallels to some other fighters and some other people within the sport of boxing it, it you know it's certainly to me it certainly provides some moments where you can honestly sit there and say that this guy is just he's not overall a bad guy he's, he's just made some choices in life that have led to some bad things but Deep down inside, he's a he's a he's a, he's a decent guy. He's an inspiration to, to Irish boxing, and ultimately he will be remembered more fondly than he will be remembered for the negatives. And whilst this show kind of focuses on the negatives of stories as well as the positives, I think overall my feeling of of Eamon McGee is that he will be remembered in a more positive light than he ever will for the negative things he did in his life. He standed on what he believed and he stood on principles. And I think even if you have a troubled life, if you stand for something, at least you get remembered in a way that's more positive than if you were a disruptor and a chaotic individual that did things just to just to cause chaos. I think that part of his beloved nature is he stood on his principles and conviction. He did. You're right. He did. And I think that's what makes him the character that he is and the person that he is and it's certainly been a pleasure to do an episode on him and, a, and his story. And obviously a big thanks to those who we had source material from. A big thanks to all the, the press clippings, the articles, the book by Paul Gibson. Many different sources we used for that episode to be able to put it together. And to be quite honest with you, we didn't even think to reach out to Eamon McGee first and actually contact him to get involved in the show. And that's why we've said it at the end of the main episode. And I'll say it again at the end of this one is that you know, if Eamon is you're listening or if someone knows Eamon that can put him in touch with us and, and actually come on as an addendum to this particular episode, then please do send him our way because we'd love to have him on. We'd love to just talk about like things and hear things from him and maybe hear things we've not heard before. And, you know, ultimately we're all fans at the end of the day and we all want to sort of have that involvement and that interaction with those that we're portraying and telling stories about so it'd be really good if he he did reach out and, and we did tag him in the video for the promotion for the for the main show so hopefully you know he does see that and he, he reaches out and hopefully you know he's not too offended by anything that we've done in this episode because literally all of the stuff that we present is factual information it's just portrayed in a storytelling way in a storytelling manner and and we feel like we've done a great job of Eamon's story and and followed on from what people have already done previously on Eamon and I hope that everybody enjoyed the show and I hope that people listening to this show have enjoyed your perspective on things Lukey and your take coming from from a different part of the world from uh, a different upbringing from a different mentality and you know the interpreting things in in some ways that are different from what maybe a person living in England or even Ireland has, and it comes down to how we perceive certain individuals like Eamon. And I would like to say thank you to everybody listening and to the patrons of the podcast. And, you know, you guys, if you've enjoyed listening to it, I want to say 
please let us know on social media at darker underscore side underscore pod and you can find us on the btr boxing podcast network on any available podcasting app or you can find us on facebook youtube instagram tiktok you know all the socials you know where to find lukey at lukey boxing on twitter and itr boxing's youtube channel please make sure you subscribe for all his weekly shows and interviews and premium content that is it fight fans thank you so much for listening to the darker side of the after show on episode number two the extraordinary life of Eamon McGee Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.